Hello everybody, my name is Bo Phillips. I'm uh, the communications guy here at the St. John's County Chamber. And I'm here today with Bob Porter. He is the somewhat newly minted Director of Public Policy here at the Chamber of Commerce. And this is gonna be a new podcast called The Business Lens. And what we're really doing is we're gonna be talking about what issues, what policy decisions may affect you and your business. Uh, I really have no expertise in this area and offer nothing salient except for I've got questions and Bob's got answers. So I'm the dumb guy, he's the smart guy. And today we're gonna hear from Bob and he's gonna tell us what, what's going on that might be important. Bob, if you wanna tell them a little bit about yourself, please uh, let them know that uh, you're, you're not, you're definitely smarter than I am, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon, Bo. Uh, I'm uh, Bob Porter, and as Bo said, I'm the uh, Director of Public Policy here at the Chamber. Moved down here about two years ago uh, from Washington, D.C., where I was uh, practicing as a lobbyist uh, before the federal government. So I'm enjoying my time down here dealing with the state and the county and the uh, municipal governments and trying to apply a few things that I've learned in, uh, in my practice in Washington down here at the local level. Okay, Bob, so we're going to just go ahead and jump right in it. What do you say? Sounds like a plan. Okay, so I understand that right now or during this period of time, really, are committee weeks for the Florida legislature. Tell us a little bit about what that means. Unlike the national legislature in Washington, D.C., the Florida legislature meets for 60 days every year. During the preceding two months prior to the session beginning, the Florida House and the Florida Senate hold what are called committee weeks, where they actually introduce legislation, hold hearings on pending legislation, and have the committees report out pending legislation to be considered by the full legislature when they meet. This year, or in 2018, the legislature uh, begins on the 9th of January and runs until the 9th of March. As a result, the Florida House and Senate have been holding committee weeks since the end of October to prepare legislation for floor action so that when the legislators return to Tallahassee in January, they'll be able to bring up legislation almost immediately on the first day. So this is when they're actually making the sausage, right? This and is this is the point in time where famously you don't really want to see, but it's really important. It's very important because it gives both the legislators and the citizens an opportunity to participate in the process of developing the legislation before there is an actual up or down vote by the full Florida House or Senate. And on that note, I know that recently, or not too long ago, the St. John's County delegation held a public meeting here. That is correct. Uh, Senator uh, Hudson and Representatives Renner and Stevenson, who comprise our legislative delegation in Tallahassee, held a uh, half-day hearing where they invited members of the community to come and present testimony on issues of local concern. We had uh, Michael Sini, who is the uh, chairman of the Chamber's Public Policy Committee, make a short presentation before the legislative delegation. He pointed out a very interesting and troublesome problem that a lot of business owners in St. Augustine and St. John's County experienced after 
Hurricane Irma, which was essentially the lack of access to their internet service providers. Comcast went down. This is not a question of the kids can't play their computer games, but this is really businesses can't operate. We were all told to move our operations to the cloud. Everybody did it. And what happens when you can't access the cloud? Your cash registers don't work. Your accounting packages don't work. And you're forced to take cash. Or in some cases, we'd heard of businesses who had actually moved their operations to a hotel in another part of the state that had internet access so they could continue operating. You're not all business owners, but I'm sure that it affected you, right? I mean, if you couldn't go into work and access the files and the documents and the things that you needed to regularly access in order to do your job, I think you're pretty aware of the kind of impact that this type of outage had. Certainly it is an important issue and, uh, and uh, we're glad that the delegation was listening. Uh, it was very important for the delegation to hear this because two of the members of the delegation, Representatives uh, Stevenson and Renner, both sit on Speaker Corcoran's Special Hurricane Review uh, Committee, which will be making recommendations back to the full House of Representatives next month on lessons learned from Hurricane Irma, and this will be one that will uh, more than likely be addressed simply because it affected so many businesses throughout the state of Florida. I think you've already mentioned it, but a lot of that, all that discussion that's taking place right now will come to fruition when session begins January 9th. That's really when we get to find out which sausages sell and which ones get tossed. That's a good way of putting it. Moving on, um, I know that local here at the county, um, we have a past budget here locally, and uh, they're even considering or preparing for the next fiscal year's budget. That's right. The uh, fiscal year for the county runs from October 1 through September 30, so starting in the late spring uh, of 2018, the county commissioners will start working with the com with the uh, county staff to develop their budget for the what in effect is the 2018-2019 fiscal year. This is going to be a very interesting budget for the county because they will have to deal with the effects of not one but two hurricanes and a major nor'easter that occurred all within the space of the last 14 to 15 months, which costs the county uh, untold millions of dollars in hurricane restoration expenses that they are currently awaiting repayment of some of those expenses from the federal government. So the budget is going to be foremost on county commissioners' minds at this point as they try to move forward with the normal business of government while at the same time trying to claw back as much money as they can from the federal government to allow the county to continue uh, operating. One of the interesting areas that is being kicked around by a number of commissioners is the notion of a uh, entering into public-private partnerships to potentially operate some county-owned uh, entities such as the amphitheater, the golf course, potentially even the county pier in St. Augustine Beach. 
the idea behind it is that the county would retain ownership of these properties but would enter into management agreements with an entity to run a golf course or to run the amphitheater and then the county and whatever private entity that they chose to partner with would split the revenue. It uh, becomes a question of what is the county best able to do versus what is the private sector best able to do and how can they work together to save tax dollars and bring additional revenue into the county. And This is something that's just now being explored and the first three that are being uh, talked about are again the amphitheater, the county-owned golf course, and potentially the uh, the county pier. You know, when you think about when you think about budgeting and being prepared for emergency situations, having two major events like we've had, I imagine you got to get pretty creative. You do because the magnitude of the events uh, far overwhelmed uh, anybody's expectations, and I think we especially saw it in uh, with Hurricane Irma statewide because the initial projections for costs were far lower than in fact they actually were. Unfortunately, St. Augustine and St. John's County had experienced that level of catastrophe less than a year before with Hurricane Matthew. And it does throw a monkey wrench into positive budgeting year in and year out. Uh, on the city level here at the, in the city of St. Augustine, I know that panhandling has been an issue uh, of much discussion lately. Panhandling has become, it, it tends to be cyclical in this part of the world uh, and especially in this part of Florida, but aggressive panhandling and vagrancy has been on the rise in St. Augustine and the city has been struggling along with the business community on how to address the issue of vagrancy and panhandling in a way that retains the city's historical compassionate approach to dealing with people, some of whom may or may not be homeless. The city's hands have been tied over the last year because as a result of a court ruling in Tampa, the city has been unable to enforce its long-standing panhandling laws, and that has tied the hands, basically, of the law enforcement entities to deal with uh, aggressive panhandling and vagrancy. Uh, the city has hired uh, a constitutional law expert attorney who is in the process of drafting new ordinances that he believes will allow the city to once again be able to address aggressive panhandling and vagrancy. The chamber is working very closely with the city. The chamber is working very closely with the Visitors Convention Bureau on approach to dealing with vagrancy panhandling issues. The first is the development of new ordinances that would allow the police department to actively enforce laws against uh, panhandling. The second component, and it really uh, will fall on the Visitors and Convention Bureau, the marketing arm of St. John's County Tourism, to develop materials, common materials 
that will be offered to the business community on a purely voluntary basis in a responsive-oriented approach so that if a business owner, a shopkeeper, a storekeeper, or their staff are questioned by visitors in the downtown area about panhandling and what is the city doing about it, there will be a common a commonality of answers uh, back to the tourists, essentially discouraging them from giving money to the panhandlers and to the vagrants and hopefully supporting the nonprofit agencies that we have uh, within St. John's County and within St. Augustine, the city of St. Augustine that, that have been dealing uh, with these issues very successfully for many years. But it's more of a proactive approach in education when you're talking about not necessarily putting a billboard up saying this is how you would deal with panhandlers, but just being prepared with the answers in case somebody asks the question, is that right? Absolutely. I did want to talk about the term aggressive panhandling. Do we want to talk about the difference in between panhandling and aggressive panhandling? It, it's a very fine legal term and considering that neither one of us are lawyers, uh, I will not uh, pretend to be the expert in this area of law, but essentially, as I understand it, the law defines aggressive panhandling as being approached by somebody who puts his hands on you, who gets in your face, who repeatedly asks you for money, blocks your ability to walk down a street. That is considered a form of panhandling known as aggressive panhandling, and the city is able to deal with that uh, particular um, example. Panhandling in and of itself if you see somebody sitting on the side of the road holding a cardboard sign that says, please give me money, I'm hungry, that is a constitutionally protected right under the First Amendment. As long as they are not bothering people, as long as they are not in your face or touching, physically touching you or, or being abusive, they are allowed under the First Amendment of the Constitution to uh, participate in that activity. But it's a very fine line. So it's safe to say that it's one of those things where it's tough to, de tough to define, but you know it when you see it. Absolutely. Lastly, um, in the city of St. Augustine Beach, uh, I know that uh, the commission there is considering a ban on plastic bags. That's, that's right, Bo. About a month ago, a proposal was circulated with the uh, commissioners on the Saint, uh, city of St. Augustine Beach to consider a ban on the uh, sale or use of what are called single-use plastic bags. You know them as the kind that you get from the grocery store or you'll get from a business. They're very flimsy bags that normally do not get reused and unfortunately for a community like the city of St. Augustine Beach sitting on the ocean, it ends up, uh, those bags have been known to end up being ingested by sea turtles and by other uh, animals and it has caused an environmental problem. What was interesting about two weeks ago when the city commission uh, heard the proposed uh, ordinance, one of the commissioners rightly asked, has anybody had a discussion with the business community about this issue or are we just going to impose a ban on 
practice that they have had for many, many years without any kind of a conversation. And the more the commissioners started talking among themselves, they realized that there are 70 some odd businesses licensed to do business in the city of St. Augustine Beach, and none of the commissioners nor the city staff had gone out and actually talked to the business community about what could be done on a voluntary basis, what could be done without putting extreme ban on the sale or the use of these uh, products. And the commission agreed to put off any further consideration of a plastic bag ban until they had reached out to the business community and actually sat down and had discussions about things that the business community could do with the city to reduce the proliferation of single-use uh, plastic bags. So it was kind of a win-win and we will be, we as a chamber will be involved uh, in that process making sure that our uh, business members in the city of St. Augustine Beach will engage the city commission and the city staff in these discussions because it was a pleasant surprise to see the city commission take a very positive, I think a forward-looking attitude to actually go out and solicit from their constituents what they wanted to do before forcing something on them that they didn't completely understand the long-term implications for the, the business community in the city. Seems like a wise and proper step towards due diligence, really. Absolutely, and hopefully we will see some middle ground being reached uh, this spring uh, between the business community and the city leaders, and we will not be seeing a bag ban any time in the future. Well, I think that about does it, unless you have anything to add there, Bob. Uh, I, I didn't have anything else on my questions list, but then again, again, I'm the, I'm the not smart guy. <laughs> Well, let's put it this way, on the, uh, in the middle of December with uh, the holiday season upon us right now, everybody is hunkering down, getting ready to enjoy the holidays with their family uh, in preparation for what is going to be a very busy political and legislative year being 2018. Uh, so I think we've probably covered enough for people to chew on by now, but by this time next month, I'm sure there will be other issues that we will be uh, more than ready to to talk about and hopefully inform you folks about. Well, that's a segue like a pro there, Bob. Uh, in fact, uh, this is going to be a monthly podcast, uh, again, t entitled The Business Lens. It will feature Bob Porter, and I'll merely be here asking questions most of the time. So. Please give us a follow uh, on SoundCloud is where we'll host the podcast at. You'll also be able to find it on our website, sjcchamber.com forward slash the business lens. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks very much.